Welcome to the road to growth, success of an entrepreneur. We've raised the bar. Learn firsthand from successful business owners and create your own path to success. I'm going to show you how great I am. It's time to hit the road to growth with team lead of the Enriquez Group, Realtor Vinny. Sure. I, I think the, the way that, that we think about it, um, it, it's more about recognizing that over the last 10 to 15 years in digital marketing, just technology has innovated at light speed. And the, you know, the, the tools available to um, you know, reach and, and engage and communicate with your customers online are, are just are, are tremendous. And they, those tools make us smarter and more efficient and look better um, in, our, in our jobs and our roles and, and grow our businesses at a, a faster pace than ever and create value. And, um, but, but they are somewhat limiting in um, just the competitive landscape, the kind of ability to, to gain kind of consistency. And I'm talking about channels like social and search and programmatic where you're, you're constantly fighting to, to reach your audience and, and competing with your competitors and other advertisers. And then you look at all these other kind of amazing traditional channels that are, are big and, and can be effective and, and, and direct mail is the one that we focus on. Um, as you mentioned, you're actually sending physical mail um, to prospects and, and, and customers. Um, you know, those channels are in, incredibly effective, but the, the technology and tools have, uh, that, that, um, that kind of have evolved in the digital world haven't yet kind of made their way into those traditional channels. And so we look at and, and think about how do we blend those two things together? How do we you know, bring all the value to being able to reach your customers with kind of weighty, you know, high engaging touch points through, you know, through direct mail advertising um, and combine that with the data, the targeting, the measurement, the automation available in, in digital channels. So it, it's, you know, it's not dissimilar from, from how you positioned it, but we think about taking really big, traditional, um, highly effective and engaging media channels and, and then blending them together with the dynamic innovation of, of digital technologies. How do you I mean, cause again, there's probably people listening right now. Right. And, and there's probably a lot of people on stages that talk basically not in a positive light of some of the, the parts, I guess, uh, of what you guys do. Right. So, I mean, and we bring our own baggage to it. Like if, if you like, I see a guitar in your background. If you're watching us, you see a guitar, and I, I start thinking about all the baggage I have with the guitar, of me trying to play and learn how to play a guitar, and it never really worked out. And I had one tune, and but and people go, okay, well, postcards, mailers, things like that. We bring our own baggage to that. So how do you weed past that when you're talking to someone about what you do? Is that kind of like a last minute thing? Is it like I want to talk about us first before I kind of start saying words? you might bring your own baggage to or what happens there does that make sense yeah i i think um uh i mean it's funny that you you, you pointed the guitar behind behind me because there's uh i just saw a meme yesterday on a flight back from denver um and um uh and and it was basically showing like mark zuckerberg uh elon musk and it's like kind of saying like like kind of like no big deal and then it shows um you know it shows uh the um, Leo Fender and, and kind of yeah. is basically like, look, this is like real innovation. Think about <laughs> how um, music has touched so many of our, um, yeah. uh, uh, you know, our, our lives. And, um, and so uh, I, I think that that translates um, um, nicely to, uh, I think to your, to your question on, on kind of, on, you, you framed it as baggage and I would think about it more as like experience. Mm. Um, 
if you look at the direct mail channel, you know, first of all, on the, on the positive, $50 billion a year is spent in direct mail marketing in the US. So, you know, certainly there's been no shortage of, of headlines around, you know, the US Postal Service and, um, and you know, maybe some of the challenges with manufacturing these days, especially in, in a, you know, post-COVID era. And, and those all kind of uh, let our mind wander and think about, you know, what are the potential challenges of, um, uh, you know, of this channel. But, but when you think about th that volume, right, $50 billion is spent into this channel, um, and it is a measurable channel, meaning that, that that $50 billion, advertisers generally understand whether it's working for them or not. Um, I, I just look at it and say it, it's not about um, kind of the, the baggage or negativity. It's about how do you unlock the power of, of, of a channel that, that advertisers are already finding that level of success and scale on. Um, and, and that's our entire focal point. It's, it's how, do we, how do we bring technology, tools, innovation, measurement, transparency, um, automation, dynamicness to, to this channel that is, is tremendously effective um, and, um, and, uh, and, and, and kind of put those tools in the hands of marketers um, so that they, they can expand beyond just you know, search and social and some of the channels that, that they may be very reliant on currently. So it's, I guess it's the idea of, of focusing on more innovation, focusing more on um, being creative and then kind of having a secondary thing. This is how we are innovative. This is how we are creative. And we use these different platforms, these different ways of getting there. Did that kind of? Yeah, I, th I think you said it su super eloquently. Um, well, let's talk about a, a, a younger a younger Dave. I mean, who was a younger Dave? Was he thinking of, of, of ways to to get the word out there? Was he an advertiser? Was he an entrepreneur? Who was a younger Dave? Yeah, well, it depends, um, you know, what, what decade we're talking about. You know, the youngest day was, you know, uh, certainly not thinking of any of these things was, you know, skateboarding and, uh, and snowboarding and, and playing, you know, music and, and whatnot. Um, a slightly older Dave uh, spent, you know, the, the beginning of, of, um, of, of his, of my, of, of my career, um, it kind of oscillating back and forth between working for uh, marketing technology companies, always in, in digital um, spaces. So, so, you know, I did not come from a traditional direct mail background. Um, you know, my marketing experience was constantly, um, you know, thinking about how to leverage data and testing and measurement and, and, and kind of tapping into the, the newest and, and most emerging channels. And those channels, you know, evolved tremendously from when I got into the space in 1999 through today. Um, and, and then, you know, spent the other half kind of my, my, my career cycles uh, working on consumer brands that kind of recognized there were opportunities to, to compete, um, you know, more aggressively with the big incumbents um, as we understood, um, you know, digital, uh, you know, emerging, you know, uh, you know media channels and, and had a competitive advantage. You know, we were very quick to to get to search and we we're very quick to get to display and to email and SMS and social, et cetera. And, um, and, and so, you know, the evolution for me was really a matter of it, 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 it was a bit, you know, on one hand, um, you know, counterintuitive. On the other hand, it was just a kind of 360 degree turn, which is, you know, back in 2000, I remember being, you know, an, an ad salesperson selling, you know, digital um, advertising and, and using talk tracks around like, you know these these channels like TV and radio and and direct mail and billboards are 
you know, are saturated and, you know, and, you know, they're slow moving. You need to kind of think, break out, you know, out of those channels and think about how you can leverage, you know, the internet, the internet's the future of, of marketing. I mean, I, I remember how crazy some of these thoughts must have sounded, you know, I would call into big fortune 500 companies and, and ask, you know, you know, who, you know, was there somebody there handling digital advertising or internet marketing? And, and in most cases, there wasn't. There, there wasn't a title of digital marketer. Maybe there was some young kid in the corner somewhere trying to figure out how to make the internet work. And then you kind of you, you kind of make the full you know cycle. And and what got um, you know got me focused on 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 Posty and, and trying to innovate in the direct mail channel was you know, the opposite had happened you know, the typical advertiser has, has, has moved all their budget or, or a big portion of their budget into digital. And so you look at channels like search and social that are so important to us. And, um, and those channels are really, really competitive. So they, they, they generally, you know, work and there's tremendous value there. But, um, but, but, you know, when you're talking about bidding with, you know, with dozens and dozens to hundreds of, of competitors in your, you know, in your vertical and just, you know, you're constantly fighting with every advertising dollar to get, you know, um, you know, your ad to, to serve in front of, you know, your, your audience, you, you recognize that there's just a certain ceiling that, that didn't exist before. And so now we're all looking and saying like, okay, well, well, what do we do now? Like not now that, 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 you know, search and social and programmatic, uh, have uh, you know a, a ceiling that, that's lo lower than 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 it had been for for many years, just because the cost um, you know basis has gone so high. Um, you know now we need to look and say like, okay, well, what are the next emerging channels? And and there are some that are out there, but we also can look and say like, okay, well, all this ad dollar, these ad dollars moved out of TV, out of radio, out of direct mail, or certainly didn't keep up with inflation. And, and there's opportunity to, to um, think about how we can grow our businesses efficiently, engage with our customers effectively through, through these more traditional channels. So now I'm out there saying like, it's great that you have, you know, all this, this budget and this commitment sophistication in your digital marketing, but how do you think about, you know, tackling, you know, some of these other big, effective, more traditional channels, um, you know, with the same insight and vigor that you you leverage against your digital channels. It's just it's it's kind of the same talk track. It's just a it's just a hundred and eighty degree turn. Um, and I think I just I, I the, the humor is not lost on me. What now? Well, let's rewind because there's a lot of a lot of stuff to to kind of peel away from there. I mean, when you first started in marketing, right? Was it I guess for companies, corporations, or were you a like a solo entrepreneur? kind of do it on your own or what was that process like uh that younger Dave yeah for, for me um I spent many many years working for super smart people um and and kind of I think about you know getting paid to go to grad school almost uh super you know I always you know, kind of tell um some of the up-and-comers in in my company or, or even just people that I have a bit of a mentor relationship with um that I you know in my early days I had way more motivation than capability and and but was aware of it um and and so for me um i certainly was friends with and saw and was in awe of some of those entrepreneurs who came out of high school even certainly college and and just had this innate ability to you know to build companies um uh, and and you know and kind of uh, break through the, the maybe nervousness or unknown. Um, that that definitely wasn't me. I, I was someone who needed 
to to kind of learn and 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 um, have a support network and kind of go through the process of understanding, you know, each component associated with building the business, understanding how to um, how to you know generate revenue, how to service that revenue, how to think about you know P and Ls, how to think about um, you know operations, how to think about managing teams, how to you know build product and engage with engineers and data scientists, and that took a long time. For, I mean, for me, that was easily a 15, 15 year road uh, to get to the place where I finally felt um, comfortable and capable of of um, not just you know building my own companies, but uh, but uh, but doing so successfully. Looking back on it, and I it might it's probably a tough question to ask, but I mean, looking back on it, do you ever think that it took you too long to start your own company? Oh, look, I'm my harshest critic for for sure, uh, and and I, you know, I, I, look, I'm I'm 46 right now, um, and I, I kind of tease um, myself that you know, as you know, Posty is a successful company. I'm really proud of what we've built and what we continue to build. But I'm kind of, you know, at that stage in my life where, like, that's what I should be doing. I, you know, I've you know, 24 years of, of work experience and um, I'm not that, you know, young whiz kid launching, you know, uh, you know, um, uh, you know a, a company out of his parents, you know, house or, or whatnot. Um, so I would say, look, I, 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 I certainly, you know, beat myself up quite a bit and, and, you know, have some revisionist history and think through, you know, why didn't I take, you know, more risk earlier? The truth of the matter is that I, I had um, started a number of, of a, a few different businesses along the way at earlier times, they weren't tremendously successful. And, um, and, and I, I don't know exactly um, if that's because I, I wasn't ready or I didn't have this, the confidence that I have now or um, that I just picked businesses that um, maybe didn't have, um, weren't well aligned with my capabilities or the network of individuals that I was, um, you, know, uh, you know, trying to engage in starting business with me. Um, I, I don't know, like, look, if, I, I can't say like I should have done it differently, but I certainly... Um, recognize and, and, and impress with those people who can figure things out very early on without as many details as I, I feel like I needed um, to know in order to feel confident um, starting businesses. There, there are some people out there that, that can do that. And there are other people that, that I think need to kind of grow into it. And I, I was, I was one that, that had to grow into it. And that is, that's just been my path. So um, I, I, I kind of accept it and own it and have perspective of that now. Do you, do you think, I mean, cause you said the 15 years and, and as you're going through the years, you're like, okay, I need to learn more about this. I need to learn more about this and kind of working through it. Was it, and then you're also, it sounds like you're starting kind of side businesses that maybe weren't as profitable as you hoped. So was it, you didn't have enough confidence that you could build that business sides or you're waiting for that side business become profitable before you left the corporation? Oh, uh, no, no. When I started businesses, they, they weren't side businesses. The, 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 okay. the times before um, launching Posty that I, I started businesses, I, I left the companies that I was working at. Um, it, okay. It's really, really hard to start. Um, yeah. I think businesses on the side do a good job and, and, and be you know, ethic, you know, ethical and, and fair to, to your employer. Um, you know, none of us are expected to sell our souls and, and our, our spare time is our spare time. But I, I do know what tends to happen, which is if you're working on something that's yours that you own, you know, there's more of your mind share even through, you know, 
you know, the, the, the dollars that you should be working on, you know, um, you know, the project getting paid for, um, yeah, your mind starts wandering to your own projects. And so, um, I, I've always been kind of an all or nothing type of person. Um, and, and so that, that's not how, how I did it. I do know that there are plenty of people that started things on the side and kind of moved their way out. You also have to be careful with that because oftentimes you have, um, you know, employment contracts where the IP that you're working on um, while employed is is owned by, you know, the company you're working for. They need to um, protect, you know, their investors and public markets and whatnot. So for anyone kind of listening and thinking about do, do they do something on the side or do they, um, you know, kind of uh, transition out and focus on it, you know, you, you have to kind of be thoughtful and, and make sure kind of you understand what your obligations to your existing employer are. Th th those are real and, and there's no shortage of kind of, sad stories about um, people who started things and and um, thought they owned it and, and they didn't own um, the IP there. Um, but I think you, your, your question is more in line with, or it was more about, um, you know, it, what did it take to, to maybe get to a place where, where I was launching successful businesses? And, and what, what I can, you know, I, look, I spent a good amount of time kind of analyzing and, and trying to, um, uh, understand, you know, my path and how to get better and, and, um, and years understanding myself and, and career is a big part of that. Um, uh, if I think back to the first, you know, business or two that I started, uh, I just, I didn't have a ton of capital. They were self-funded businesses. They were probably bigger categories, categories that required, um, more capital than, that I knew how to raise at the time or thought I needed to raise. And so um, I was always kind of strangling them um, so that they didn't have the oxygen they needed to be successful. There was very little margin of error in those. And then, um, and, and I think for me, the, the turning point was um, for about six or seven years prior to launching Posty, uh, I had the opportunity to partner up with a number of partners and start a, a tech studio um, kind of slash incubator and, um, and we raised money and had um, capital to invest in early stage teams that were working on um, you know, launching their own businesses. And, and really that, that was kind of a, a launch platform for entrepreneurs. And, and during those, those six, seven years, I think we were involved in investing in buying, selling, launching, incubating close to 75 different businesses. Not, not all of them were successful, um, some of them were tremendously successful, uh, and but but for me, it gave me the opportunity to to um, uh, to just kind of live in the perpetual launch of businesses for for many years, and and that's a really rare experience where typically you start a business and and that business progresses, and and you know maybe it is maybe it isn't successful, but but that's a several year path. And then by the time you get to kind of the outcome or the end game of that business and you decide to go start another business, you know, you kind of forget a little bit of what those early years were like when you were resource strapped and, you know, you didn't have proof of concept and you're writing that first line of code and developing that first product. Um, but at, at this, you know, at, at this um, tech incubator, it was, you know, every week we were taking pitches from, from new businesses and new entrepreneurs. We were made, writing checks. We were, um, you know, building, you know, helping them build their business plans. We were helping them raise capital. We were helping them find their first customers. And, um, and that to me was, was kind of the equivalent of like 
a, a batter being in the in the undeck circle swinging three bats, right? It was just the pace, the speed, the access, the pattern recognition um, was was something that very few people I think get. And so when it became time to um, kind of evaluate and and put together the next business model, which which became Posty, there I had just lived the start for the past six years. And, and going from, from an idea to product market fit to first customer to building core infrastructure um, that I, I, I just can't imagine being more equipped um, to do that. And, and I didn't have that 10 years earlier when I started my previous company. I was right. doing everything for the first time. I didn't know what to expect day, you know, day to day. Um, and so I think, again, that, that theme is consistent with what I shared earlier with I, I just I. I I was someone that needed to train and practice and analyze and experience in order to to acquire those the you know kind of the breadth of skills and knowledge and confidence I think to to be in a position to build companies successfully and and right now I, I feel like it almost doesn't matter what vertical business model problem we're we're setting out to solve um, if if you know if I if I was to jump into launching another business. I think I just I have that um, you know depth of experience and capability that I would feel very confident doing so, and that that's kind of a cool place to be, um, knowing that that there have been plenty of times through my career that it was the complete opposite. I was a disaster. I was anxious. I um, you know everything was scary. Um, yeah, that, but that's part of I think life and a career, right? And getting over those, it being scary, being all those words you use, is that just over time? Yeah. I, I don't think there's a shortcut to most things. You know, there are, you know, here or there and, and certainly um, more direct and less direct paths. But, but I think um, with regards to, you know, real accomplishment, real knowledge, real capabilities, um, most things require, require, you know, time and effort and practice um, I'm sure, you know, there are athletes out there who, you know, just naturally come out of the womb, able to throw a ball or hit, you know, hit a ball or throw a spiral or hit a golf ball or whatever it is. But, but even, even those people, I mean, uh, yeah, I grew up in Chicago and, and during the Michael Jordan era and sure that guy, you know, obviously had more talent than probably anybody else in the history of the game. But he was also the first one at practice shooting free throws, and he was the last one to leave practice, um, even during you know his peak years. So um, you know, I, I think it, you know, innate ability and and right place, right time, all those things matter. But but practice and, and repetition and, and exposure, um, um, commitment, th those are all things that I think are just as as important. Well, well, talking about being, I mean, things that are very important. I mean, you're around so many startups. So what were some things that, I mean, I'm guessing over time you go, okay, if I saw this with the startup, they're probably going to have some level of success. But if I saw this over here, their success level might not be where it should be. I mean, did you see things like that start popping up? Um, yeah. So pattern recognition is invaluable. Um, it, it just, um, yeah, the more times that you see things and pay attention are able to, um, uh, to, uh, find, yeah, the, the, the similes in those businesses, um, you know, 
that that's that's true power. Um, I would say um, I think a, a decent amount, I spent a decent amount of time um, during those years of, of incubating businesses and deciding who to invest in and um, where to you know, put more resources and effort. Um, th there were kind of two camps of businesses uh, and both can be successful, but um, but there's a, a distinct you know, difference between those businesses that are built opportunistically. And what I mean by that is they kind of start with almost always start with like revenue model, business model first, right? There's an opportunity to make some money. There's an opportunity to, um, to leverage um, some knowledge or skill that, um, that we had as, um, you know, from a previous job. Um, we have some domain expertise that we can leverage into a business. And, and then on the opposite end, there's, there's, you know, what I would kind of call mission driven businesses. That doesn't mean that these are necessarily businesses that um, are um, are out there trying to save the world and and solve the, the the biggest problems in the world. What I mean by that is that they're businesses where the entrepreneur or the founders have recognized there's a problem out there, and and they build a business around this 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 idea of um, hey we think that we can build a solution um, you know for for you know for this problem and it could be a small problem it could be a mid sized problem it could be a big problem. But those businesses can you get up and and, and again you are mission driven. You um, it's not it's not just about how you maximize revenue or the P and L or um, you know your your cogs or your you know um, you know your expenditures. It's it's more about how, what can I you know what can I do day in day out to to build the best solution to this problem, and and I just think that those type of businesses are. Like, look, they're more, they're, they're I think they're um, more genuine. They're um, sometimes more, more challenging, but, but all businesses are challenging and, and you have good days and bad days. And what, what I saw is that, you know, if you're a mission driven founder or founding team or business, you're know, getting up during the challenging times and, and operating through those challenges becomes much easier than if you're an opportunistic business um, because all you look at is, you know, is it making money? Is it not making money? Is it easy? Is it hard? Versus, Hey, this is challenging, but I, I believe in what we're doing. I, I, I know there's this problem out there that lots of people like me are feeling and, uh, and, and, and you can kind of charge through those challenging times that, that every business has. So that that's one big, big pattern um, that I think is really important. Um, Another one is, I mean, look, there's got to be a path to to growth, and 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 so you know you, you know when evaluating businesses, you know, or or even invest, you know, making you know as, as, you know with my investor hat on, you know, looking at, at an at understanding uh, a company or a team's um, view and capabilities uh, to acquire customers, generate revenue, tell their story, build awareness. You know, that that really matters, and they're they're definitely um, both teams and businesses that have you know an easier, more direct path to driving that awareness and um, and revenue generation. And there are businesses that are more challenging, and so certainly, you know, the the more direct path, um, you know, the the more likely businesses to is to succeed, and and so you know those patterns get picked on pretty picked up on pretty early. Well, going back to that, I guess the idea that you said about like having that mission, having to to push through the the low moments. I mean, what was the original mission for for yourself when you were building this, and what pushed you through those low moments? 
Yeah. So, so the mission for us, I mean, we, we definitely did not start out with, with the hypothesis of how do we reinvent the direct mail space? Like that, that, that wasn't the mission. The mission was, you know, we've been, you know, spending, we spent the last year you know, at that point, you know, six to eight years, um, heavily, heavily invested in growing businesses and building businesses that could um, capitalize on the emergence of, of social media in, in particular, um, both organic and paid. And, um, and look, I mean, Facebook, you know, is, is a beast and a behemoth. And, and there is a lot of great that, that Facebook's ads platform has given to, you know, marketers and, and businesses and entrepreneurs. And we certainly invest a lot and got a lot of great value there. But it's also, you know, the, anyone who's ever, you know, spent a dollar or more on Facebook knows that, you know, algorithms change. Facebook's not in the business of figuring out how to make our lives as marketers easy. They're, they're looking um, at how they, you know, more effectively grow their P&L. And, um, and, and they do that by selling more ads and by uh, making those ads more expensive. And so, you know, when you think about being a marketer and the, your ability to grow your business on Facebook 10 years ago, and now your business, your ability to grow, you know, your business on Facebook five years ago and your ability to grow your business on Facebook, you know, today it's, it's harder than ever in many ways. You know, the tools are, are more accessible and the capabilities of, of managing your Facebook media spend is, is, is easier than ever, but the competitive landscape and the cost of acquiring customers on Facebook, you know, continuously goes up. And, um, and quite frankly, they, they've made lots of decisions throughout the years that have, um, have been really painful to marketers. Um, I, you know, there were days when, you know, Facebook was all about getting you to spend money building your followers, your fan pages. And, and we all, you know, many of us spent millions and millions of dollars doing that. And, and we really, you know, invest in building the Facebook ecosystem. And then one day they said, hey, guess what? Um, now you can no longer reach those people that you already paid to build. And we appreciate you building, you know, the engagement of Facebook for us. But um, now we're going to charge you to reach those individuals and boost your posts and whatnot. Well, that's not like that, that's not a game. Like that, like we had businesses, right? We had raised tens of millions of dollars in investor dollars. We had, you know, companies that were publicly traded, where you know the value of those companies were you were greatly tied to your ability to source new customers and engage those customers. And when um, a platform that became as powerful as as you know as Facebook changes, you know, um, the way that they allow you to engage with, with, you know, um, you know, their media, uh, you know, that that's really scary. And so for us, it was, Hey, you know, it's, it's, you know, we've kind of tapped out what we can do with these businesses on Facebook. Um, you know, Facebook has, has every user known to, you know, humankind on their platform already. Like there's no more growth for them, um, from a usability perspective and ad rates will continue to go up. So, our mission was, you know, how do we leverage, you know, all the investment we've made in understanding our customers, understanding how to how to you know communicate with unique customers in a unique personalized way, how to um, you know really build a relationship with customers rather than just market to them. You know, how do we take that and and um, and and all those learnings and capabilities and find other you know ways to reach those same consumers. Um, and prospects, but in a way that that we have more control. And so, so that um, you know, that's the mission. The mission is, uh, you know, how do we, you know, how do we give advertisers and brands more power and control over the way that they can reach, engage, communicate with uh, their prospects and their customers, so that they don't have to rely solely on one channel that historically has, you know, caused you know 
has provided lots of value, but also has you know provided lots of pain throughout the years. So is the is most of the call to action to the um, the company's website or call to action more towards calling in? I mean, because you're trying to drive them away from mostly probably social media, I guess, right? Or to Facebook. Well, yeah, it's all, all the above. I mean, the, the beauty is when you think about you know d- direct mail or really any addressable media channel, addressable meaning um, a channel where you can speak um, to a specific individual group of individuals and you know who they are. Um, you know, different than like a billboard where you know you you maybe do some research on driving patterns and the general people that drive by that billboard. Um, but um, but with with direct mail, just like with social or search. You, you can leverage your your knowledge about who these individuals are that you want to reach, um, you know, what their interests are, um, how they engage with your advertising um, or, or your brand. And, 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 you know, with regards to the call to action, the call to action can, can be anything. It's, all, it's really consist, contingent upon the specific um, brand or advertiser and their marketing objective. So, you know, we see, you know, the, the, broadest um, set of use cases, right? We see brands that are digital only. And so the, the CTA is always driving those consumers um, or prospects to a website. We work with omnichannel retailers who um, sometimes are pushing traffic to websites or microsites. Other times they're trying to drive, um, you know, activity in a retail location. Um, certainly there's, you know, um, there, there are brands that are, um, are, you know, have a more complicated product offering and, um, have you know customer service teams uh, on the phone that are engaging with with prospect consumers and and so you know those brands oftentimes are driving to um, you know to to the to, you know phone as as a call to action. Um, there's there's not a one size fits all. It's it's a media channel that allows you to um, be kind of very targeted and knowledgeable about who you're engaging with, when and with what message. And, and, and the media has proven to be really effective at being able to, um, to engage a lot of different um, or, or elicit a lot of different consumer behavior, whether it's, you know, picking up a, a mobile device or, or a computer and going to a website, whether it's, you know, getting in a car and driving somewhere, or whether it's picking up a phone. Well, you've, I mean, you and your company have evolved over, I mean, the years that you've been in the business where do you see the evolution of, of yourself and your company and maybe even the, the, um, the, the platform that you're through is going to evolve in the next five years from now? So interestingly, you know, it's so common that when, when entrepreneur starts a business, um, that business, you know, model, um, you know, evolves quite a bit as they kind of learn, um, you know, throughout the years and, and you hear, in, in the kind of investment world or entrepreneurial world, you hear the term pivot so, so often where you start down one path and you learn something that opens up another door and you, you know, sometimes you make uh, a, a slight turn in your business or your business model, or your product. Other times, like what you worked on just was a total miss, um, but you built some valuable assets and you can, you know, kind of completely pivot them into um, a different business. I can tell you definitively that um, my co-founder Jonathan and I, you know, when we built out the initial vision of the business and started putting it down in in, in writing, in writing, and in PowerPoint and whatnot, um, the business that we're executing today, six years later, um, from from the time we launched, is is exactly the same business. Mm-hmm. The, the specific minutia and the tools and the type of clients that we work with and all the capabilities and the data science and machine learning and 
And yeah, the what we've learned about what works in direct mail and in 2022 and, and beyond, you know, those things, you know, th there's some movement there, but but the business is 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 really exactly the same. And and for us, I think it's just um continue to drive awareness of the channel, um, drive awareness through our own marketing efforts of the capabilities that advertisers can um can access through um kind of a, the, you know through the posty platform. And our vision is that um, that there has never been a centralized, you know, ads management platform for direct mail. There are a thousand different ways to, you know, to, to run direct mail. Most of them are fairly clunky and labor intensive and manual. Um, and and so for us, if we keep, um, you know, doing what we're doing, building, you know, bringing the innovation and uh, modern technology to this channel to make the channel again more efficient, more performant easier to understand and, and, and more insightful, um, you know, the, the, I think the overall vision is that, you know, at some point we could be in a world where if you're running direct mail, of course, you, you'd be leveraging the Posty platform to do it most effectively. So, you know, that, that's our mission. You know, we'll feel like we succeeded when, you know, Posty's become a household name in, in marketing stack in general, where every advertiser is thinking about investing in um, and, you know, uh, you know, learning their way through direct mail and, 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 and each of the advertisers and brands that is invested in direct mail is, is, you know, leveraging the Posty platform because the, the suite of capabilities, tools, technologies, data, insights that they can access through the platform um, are, are as game changing as, as, um, as, you know, some of these other digital channels, you know, ads tools are, um, you know, that, you know, I, I think we've done made um, some great progress, but every day is a new day. More information um, uh, is accessible, and um, and uh, and and you know, and and the more that we continue to continually invest in building out um, the tools and technology, the more value we can provide to the marketplace. How often do you have to 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 reassess the? the the tool capabilities that you have and reassess basically what's possible out there because I'm, I'm i guess right that that's constantly changing uh so there's probably ways of pushing the boundaries i guess uh, minute by minute okay. uh <laughs> look the, the you know no different than what we talked about earlier in, in this conversation where um you know innovation can you know happens at at, at warp speed these days uh, our business is no different. Um, you know, the, the beauty of, I think, of the Posty platform is that there, there are thousands of advertisers on the platform deploying, you know, hundreds of millions of, of pieces of, of Malv ads to tens of thousands of different audiences and running tens of thousands of different creative. And everything's measurable, um, both on an individual basis and in aggregate. And so, our team and our platform is constantly learning um, from what's working and not working. Um, similarly, we invest really heavily in our customer success teams and they care a lot about the clients that they're engaged with. And, uh, and that information, we, we've worked really hard to create an open culture here where learnings from, you know, uh, you know, one team member can be shared, you know, across the entire organization um, rapidly you know, we live, we still live and die by it. every campaign, every client, um, you know, when a client's happy, we want to understand why, why they're finding value and success in the channel and, and on Posty. And when a client's unhappy, um, you know, even for a brief moment, we, we take that really seriously. And it feels like the entire world is collapsing around us. 
Um, you know, neither is, is real, right? You got to, you know, keep things in perspective, but, but we do have that edge to us where, where every single customer um, matters and, and, you know, and would probably maybe shift a little too um, high when we get, um, see some positivity and a little too low when we see negativity. But I think that that edge keeps us constantly looking, um, you know, internally to what we could do better um, what a need that we, you know, in, in the market is that we've missed so far. Um, and, and that, does, that, I'm not exaggerating that, that, that cycles through every single day, every conversation, every internal meeting, um, every Slack channel, it, it's, it's, it's constant. And, and, and that's the fun of being an entrepreneur is that, you know, tomorrow can be totally different than today. Like nothing prevents us from, from completely changing your perspective or putting a new idea into the product queue. And, and, um, and, and that, that's, that's what's kept me in this, this, you know, the entrepreneurial world, the tech world um, for, for the majority of my career. And I'll finish it off. And I thank you, Dave, for, for being here. I mean, and I'll finish this question. Um, how, how long does it usually take for, I mean, a client or people in this sector to see results. I, I know there's an idea in, in my line of business where it's like it takes about six months to a year, sometimes a little bit longer, right? To see true results, especially um, based off of the advertising you're doing, the marketing you're doing. What do you usually see in when you're working with a client? I know it probably varies. Is there like a ballpark or anything like that? Yeah, so so we're a different beast, and that's kind of core um, to our mission, which is um, efficiency and speed. The faster you learn, the faster you can take an idea from your head and get it out into the world, the faster that you can get results, the faster you can optimize. And, and that's, that's, you know, that's the game, right? With, with, with marketing, especially data-driven marketing, um, the odds of getting it like perfect out of the gate in any channel are, are you know, if you do, it's, it's, it's oftentimes, you know, as much luck as it is, you know, um, hypothesis or execution. Um, I love more when, you know, customers or, or clients or advertisers are um, engaging with the, the channel and don't find immediate success, but within a few months do find success because they've learned something. They're in control then of, of the levers and understand what levers they can pull to, to um, you know, to engage customers and prospects effectively to, to, to positively influence their business. Um, but with that being said, uh, you know, the, you know, you know, we're a growing business and we're sizable at this point, but the majority of, of, of dollars going to direct mail are going through the long tail of traditional agencies, brokers, trying to do it yourself, et cetera. When you do it that way, it takes easily six, nine, 12 months to, to, to see results. You know, typical traditionally executed direct mail campaign takes 90 days from the time you decide you're ready to get going to when you're actually in home. And then usually you know, most agencies will give you results about 60 days later. Those results will be a little fuzzy because there's nothing automated. Um, so you're talking about five months from the time you decide you want to start playing with direct mail to when you even have insights into how your first campaigns work. Post is a complete opposite. So everything's automated. We have clients that will onboard, you know, today and next week they'll they'll have first, you know, pieces of mail, first ads hitting homes. And because attribution and measurement happens in automated fashion on the platform, they can start, you know, clicking into their campaigns on the Posty, you know, on their Posty accounts, and start seeing, you know, conversions come in and start gaining insights into those campaigns. So, you know, we when we think about what we call 
POVs or proof of values, these are kind of like initial light engagements with, with um, you know, clients who are not doing direct mail and they're just kind of getting exposure to it. You know, we, we, we want to know that within the first, you know, 90 days, we've tested, you know, dozens of, of ads, concepts, um, audiences, model builds, et cetera. And, and at the end of that 90 days, whether it's, you know, the, the channel's perfectly optimized or not, there's enough, um, you know, data and, and understanding insights and confidence that, um, that, you know, that the vast majority of, of you know, um, you know, brands would feel very comfortable leaning into the channel and getting excited about it. Um, so, you know, our world's very different. You know, you, you create, you know, you, you sign on with us, you onboard, you create an account and you start sending mail, you know, a week or two later, um, you know, that, that's, you know, been a game changer to advertisers, um, who, maybe historically would say like, oh, if it's going to take me the better part of a year to figure out this channel, I'll worry about it later. Now they can look and say like, hey, I, I, Facebook is is crushing me right now. I need some way to reallocate media dollars um, to affect you know, my quarterly goals. I can actually affect this quarter's goals with direct mail, um, you know, working with Posty. And, and um, I think that's really important in any media channel that it's not just accessible, it's not just performance, not just scalable, but it's also, um, you know, you, you, uh, it, it's, it's, uh, uh, it can be fast and, and, um, and, 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 you know, affect your business, you know, sooner rather than later. Well, thank you, Dave, for being here. Uh, thank you for giving all your insights. Someone's listening right now and they're just excited to try something different. Like you said, right. There's been a lot of money on Facebook and they don't want to deal with the multitude of algorithms out there. What's the best way of them finding Posty, finding more information about what you guys are doing? What's the best platform? Yeah, so a great place to start is on our website, posty.com. And that's just P-O-S-T-I-E.com. Uh, we've, we, uh, you know, work hard to, to present lots of content there, case studies, um, you know, use cases, um, is a good amount of, of, of knowledge. Um, and then, um, and then you can reach us directly on the site, uh, and, and, you know, our team will get in touch, um, usually same day, um, if not within 24 hours and, and you can, you know, you can set up a an initial, um, consultation and, and, uh, we can help figure out if, if we're a good fit and if, um, and, and, and we're typically quite honest um, you know, uh, about whether we think your business is, is, you know, at the right place for direct mail or the kind of number one internal metric is, is, you know, um, customer retention. And, and so for us, it, it, it never makes sense to try and onboard a client if we don't think they're in a, in a place um, to find success through the channel. Um, so, you know, don't, don't hesitate to reach out and, um, our, our team um, will be very uh, upfront um, in helping you assess the channel. And yeah, I've been on the channel, uh, very user friendly. So jump on there. Everything in the show notes uh, has it for posties in there. So take a look. Thank you, Dave, again for being here. Hopefully, everyone listening got some some great nuggets right there. I mean, by the time you're probably listening to this, there's probably be diff different changes, different information, different ways of of doing it. Yet. That's the fun of this. Just go to Posties, take a look, read the nuggets, and uh, follow, follow Dave. Thanks, guys. Please subscribe, please share, and have a great one. Bye, everyone. Thank you for listening to The Road to Growth, Success of an Entrepreneur. Please like, subscribe, and stay connected. Visit www.TheEnriquezGroup.com. Yeah, I created a website. Hope to see you again next week. The Enriquez Group, signing off.